Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 18. My name is Phil Edwards and I'm in Melbourne and I'll be joined by my regular co-host in Perth, Shane Johnston. In this episode, our feature topic is looking at fitness technology. So let's get the show underway now. Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 18. My name is Phil Edwards, and I'm in Melbourne, and I'm joined by my regular co-host in Perth, Shane Johnston. G'day, Shane. Hey, Phil. How you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, before we get underway, My Tech Opinion is brought to you by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For great hosting plans and support, visit athwebhosting.com.au. For those who haven't caught an episode of My Tech Opinion before, it's a program that looks at a feature topic each and every episode and it won't be just us where possible we'll also have guests to, uh, to take part and lend their expertise to our discussion on the feature topic that said we don't have a guest this week but our feature topic is looking at fitness technology and some of the products available on the market there you go formalities out of the way shane you've got a new background this week i do getting at king's park overlooking perth are you yeah, no, we, actually, no, I'm glad I'm not there at the moment because the weather is shocking and it's like, it's a mini cyclone outside. So so the, uh, the what we can see on the screen is different from what the reality is. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a touched up Instagram post. Yeah, yeah, no, I, um, I found, I found this, I found this, this site called Amazon. I'd never used it before and I thought, I'm... Uh, I'll take advantage of this Prime Day of the Amazon Prime thing, and I took advantage of Prime Day last week, I think it was. Yep. And um, I bought my first ever thing off of Amazon, and I, yeah, bought a green screen. Now, um, talking of Prime Day, since our last episode, because when we recorded our last episode, Prime Day hadn't occurred, and then we're recording this and it has occurred. So apologies for people who are seeing things in different orders. Um, Prime Day has happened. And so you bought your green screen. Did you buy anything else? And are you going to stick with the Prime service? I probably will. I didn't buy anything else at that point in time. Um, I I looked at getting a UPS. And then I was talking to a couple of mates at work and trying to work out, well, what do I actually have plugged in? And you know, what do I need to kind of keep up and running? And it would only be probably my NAS and my switch and the router to the MBN. But, I mean, the router itself has already got UPS kind of plugged into it because, you know, the fibre to the premises comes with that. So, long story short, I kind of talked myself out of it. Um, But, I mean, it's good to... I mean, as everybody knows, Amazon's good in a way that, you know, it has a wide range of things. It's not like when you physically go, like... Like at the moment, I I need you know I need a laundry basket and I need a couple of pairs of pants. I can't get them from the same shop, um, but I can get them from both from Amazon. Yep, yep. Um, and look, as we know, Amazon and this is not we're not pushing Amazon, you know, by any means of the imagination. 
Um, but as they continue to get bigger in Australia and they get their second distribution centre and things like that, I'm sure that we'll see even more products on there. In terms of Prime Day, one of the best deals I actually saw on there, weirdly enough, was toilet paper. <laughs> and had I been quick, I would have bought some. I think it was 60 rolls for like 20 bucks delivered. Wow. Yeah. So um, uh, I did end up buying a Blu-ray and I bought a PS4 game which was significantly cheaper. There was a few other PS4 accessories that I was looking at that were cheaper, but I didn't need them. So, you know, there's no point buying something if you don't actually need it. So um, I didn't. Um, But, uh, yeah, look, it was quite good. Um, It'll only get better from there. And the other win that I had, talking of Amazon, was that um, I had already signed up for Prime Australia, but I was in the free month before it was into the paid period. And I have an American Express card and I got a notification of a promotion that if you um, pay for Amazon Prime with your American Express card and agree to the, um, the what do you call it, the, um, the promotion, you got up to 50% back as a statement credit. Oh, wow. So sure enough, I signed up, made sure it was all ready to go. And uh, the payment for my Amazon Prime account came through on Thursday and I got my notification from Amex going, yep, credit's been applied. So my Amazon Prime for this year has only cost me $29.50. Oh, lucky. So I'm very happy with that. Yeah. The other thing Uh, that I'm with the Amazon thing is I looked around for Amazon Video the other day and TV shows and that kind of stuff. And I thought the two shows that Amazon had were... um, I mean, I know the, I know one of them's on Foxtel and the other one's on Free to Wear. But I thought in the US at least that Amazon had the Good Doctor, and they had Silicon Valley. But um, Silicon Valley's HBO. Oh, okay. And don't know about the Good Doctor. They might have reruns in the US. Yep. But you know, it's the same issue as Netflix and what have you. It depends on who has, you know the products in different company countries. Oh, okay. Um, I know that Amazon U- Amazon Prime US has a lot more content than the Prime that's available in Australia. Yep. So I wouldn't be getting Prime just for Prime Video, but the fact that at the moment you're paying $59 a year and you're getting free two-day shipping from Amazon, sorry, Two-day shipping included, because it's not free, because you're paying that 59 bucks. Hmm. You get Prime Video, and if you're a gamer, you can get a you get a Twitch Prime account for included as well. I reckon it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. But, you know, you you make your own choice, and you make your decision on whether it's worthwhile for you. But I can tell you that I reckon 25% of the country will have Prime accounts within the next 10 years. Yeah. So, there you go. Um... What else has been happening? Um, in the the notes, NBN has arrived at my place. Yes, it is on and it is connected. Looking good. And we are doing this over the NBN connection. So um, after all the nonsense that I had um, with phone porting and all that sort of stuff, it finally came through during the week. And once that message came through, I had the experience that I was supposed to have had nearly a month ago. And that was... Unplug my ADSL modem, 
plug in the fiber to the curb, it all lights up perfectly and you're ready to go. What spoons are you getting? Um, on non, non-peak, it does drop a little bit during peak, but non-peak, um, I can tell you, my... Um, uh, 95.38. Yeah, that's about what I get. So not bad on a 100 by... And taking into note, speed tests have overheads. So if you're getting, say, 98 on a speed test, chances are you're actually getting 100. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, it's pretty good. I'm very happy, actually. I don't have some of the advantages that you have with having fibre, um, having multiple ports and things like that, but certainly as a single-service line, it's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, the only other thing is that um, uh, because of my complicated way I wanted to set up my phone system, um, uh, it took a little bit of twiddling and feeking. Uh, twiddling and feeking, that's not even a word. Uh, tweaking and fiddling. There you go. Um, to get my phone going. Um, but, you know, for most people it should be an issue because... Uh, you know, for Joe Blow, like my parents, for example, they use the, the uh, wireless router provided by their provider. They chuck, cut, plug their phone into it and it just works. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk. We've actually decided before we went uh, recorded that now next episode on uh, My Tech Opinion is going to be on fitness. Uh, fitness that's today's episode. Um, is going to be on IP telephony. And um, I will go through what my system is, but I have a Raspberry high-based PBX system running with a couple of um, PoE phones and and things like that. So I've just nerded out because I can. Yeah. So there you go. Excellent. Um, what else is on the list? Uh, throughout, since our last episode, what has been released since we recorded our last episode, two new pieces of tech products. Apple refreshed their MacBook Pro line. They don't look much different. But um, the key thing is that they have put in the eighth generation uh, core Intel core processors. Um, and I believe they've also chucked in one of their own little chips, um, which is for security. So they've got their own little processor there that specifically handles security and encryption and things like that, yep. um, which has been on their Mac Pro and their iMac Pro, I think. Um, they're not cheap. I can tell you that, Shane. <laughs> I spec'd uh, a unit up, and this is in Australian dollars for those listening, um, uh, and I went hardcore, um, and it was over $10,000 for a 15-inch. But the key upgrade, so if I, um, as we're talking on air, let's go and do it. Yeah. Um, it's the SSD that's the killer, isn't it? Yep. So if we go to Mac... And we go to MacBook Pro, and we'll click buy, and I won't be buying. Um, so if we choose a, so the prices start um, with for the eighth generation units. So the there's two lower ones that don't have the touch bar. They're still seventh gen core processors. So for the 8th gen units, you start with a touch bar and touch ID. 
and the starting price is twenty six hundred bucks, um, which still isn't cheap. So if we go to the fifteen inch and we'll choose the top spec in a lovely space grey. So starting price on that, which is um, a Core i seven sixth, uh, yeah, six eighth gen six core Core i seven processor. Um, uh, and 16 gig of RAM, you're looking at four grand. So if we spec it up, if we put it into a Core i9, which, which um, you know, is pretty cool, uh, turbo boost up to 4.8 gigahertz, um, which adds about 480 bucks, which is not too bad. Like, mm. it's still money, but it's not too bad. Up to 32 gig of RAM. So if we add 32 gig of RAM, that's 640. So that takes it to 5.2. This is where the fun begins. Yep. So it comes with a 512 gig of SSD. So you can get a one terabyte SSD, two or four terabytes. So let's put a four terabyte SSD in there, which I think is overkill, to be honest. Uh, and it takes it up to $10,339. Wow. Um, out of all the stuff in there, the only thing that I would be tempted to do would be the RAM. Oh, okay. Not even the processor? Um, oh, look, I'm using, I'm using a MacBook Air now and it's running really well considering it's probably four years old. Yep. Um, but the one thing I don't like about the current crop of Apple laptops, <clears throat> and this is just a, this is just a upgrade path question is that you can't upgrade the RAM in any of them. Yep. Now that said, there's quite a number of the ultra thin laptops out there that you can't do that with now. So it's not just an Apple discussion, yep. but um, for example, my iMac, which is um, can see from where I'm sitting. Um, I bought a 27 inch unit specifically because that model allows you to upgrade the RAM. Mm-hmm. So I had a gig of RAM in it. I chucked another eight gig in there only six months ago. Um, actually, when we started doing this program, because I found that doing the video editing was um, making it chug along a little bit. So I chucked that in then. Can you get off-the-shelf RAM, or do you have to use Apple RAM? No, no, you can use you can use off-the-shelf RAM, providing it meets the right specs. But yeah, you can buy it quite easily. Yep. Um, so the RAMs, you know, I mean, these days, most Apple laptops are just a Windows PC custom design. Like, there's nothing, internally, there's nothing special about them other than the fact that they're designed to run OS ten. So, um, but look, they're a nice unit. I'd love to buy. I probably wouldn't buy the 15-inch one. I'd prefer to buy a 13-inch one just from a size perspective. But, you know, that ain't happening anytime soon. So I think Apple, um, Apple are... Missing the boat um, now because, like, they're where are we? So, their cheapest um, laptop is the MacBook Air, which starts at 1500, and that's running. What have we got in there? I think they're only running. Um, I think they're only running fifth generation or maybe sixth generation. No. I think they're running sixth generation core processors. Um, 
And when they got, I mean, admittedly, the dollar the dollar was great when it was parity with US dollars, so the prices had come down. But you could get a, a MacBook Air for about twelve hundred, eleven to twelve hundred dollars, hmm. which I think, so, you know, for the type of computer it was, it's actually a really good price. Yep. And there was a lot of MacBook Airs around, a lot. All right. And I think Apple need really need to be in a position where they're offering something in that in the actual computing market, and we're not talking tablets, yep. for around the um for around the the thousand to thirteen hundred dollar mark with some upgraded guts. But look, we'll see what happens there. There's a long way to go. Apple need to do a lot of uh, updates onto their hardware in the next few months. So. There's the general consensus um, coming out of like you know, people like Laporte and um, Matt Bragg Weekly and all that kind of stuff is that Apple are probably going to kind of split their customer base and they're going to have um, you know, your MacBook Pros, your um, the other Pro thing, the one that looks like a rubbish bin at the moment. Um, yeah. They're going to be more aimed at the professional market and then the consumer market is going to be your iPads and, and you know, that kind of thing, and, and they might not have anything in the middle. Um, I think that's a mistake. There's still a market for computers. Like, I, I, I know everyone's different, but a tablet for me is not a primary device. Yep. And in fact, I'm super old school in the sense that a laptop for me is not a primary device. Oh, really? No. I'm a desktop person. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we've touched on it before. I mean, my laptop is more of a portable desktop kind of thing. It's got the grunt of a, of a desktop. And the, the other thing I'll say is that I have specific uses for my devices. So, um, to be honest, if I didn't do radio... I probably could go without a laptop. Yep. But the like the the desktop is and the thing is I also have I think I have the space too. Like I live in, you know, a house that has its own I have a study, you know, um if you I'm not going to turn the camera around but um because my study's a mess at the moment but um you know, I've got a 27-inch iMac. Right next to it, I've got a 32-inch TV that I play PlayStation on. And I've got my couch in here. And I've got I've got the space to have this room. Yep. Um, the So, whereas if I was living in a two-bedroom apartment in the city, I probably would go to a laptop as a primary device. Yeah. It comes down to where people are positioned. Yep. But, but certainly to sit at a desk and use a laptop, is not my cup of tea. You know the other thing that annoys me while we're on that kind of topic? Mm. People that just sit at their desk and they have a desktop and they use wireless keyboards and wireless mouse. I can't understand that. I mean, they're changing batteries like once a week. I'm like, let's get a cable. Um, I agree. I do like... I do have a wireless mouse and wireless keyboard, but I will give credit to Apple. I've upgraded to the new Apple keyboard. Yep. And I think I've I've had it for probably about three months. No, maybe four months. I've charged it once. Oh, okay. After when I first bought it. But the cool thing about it is, is that they've decided that, and I haven't upgraded my mouse, but 
they've decided that um, they have a lightning port on them, so it's the same, use the same cable as you use to charge your phones. Oh, right. That's so handy. you can actually use it wide, and then you just charge it up and unplug it. So yeah. The only criticism I've heard of the wireless mouse that Apple produces is that the plug's underneath, so you can't have it plugged in and use the mouse at the same time. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, but look, Apple, Apple have always... So if we go back probably, we'll say 10, 11 years ago. Yep. Um, they used to have a very simple um, product lineup in terms of their computing hardware. They had a MacBook and a MacBook Pro. Yep. And they had an iMac, and then they had uh, a... Um, well, after Intel came through, they called them... They used to be the Power Mac, but then when the Intel processors, they called them the Mac Pro. Yep. Um. And that was effectively their lineup. You know, they had specs in between that, and then they brought out their MacBook Airs and things like that. But they always had a two-tiered lineup. What about the Mac um, Mini? Yeah, okay, the Mac Mini's in there, but I would call that still as part of their consumer-level grade type stuff. Yep. Um, they've blurred the lines with that now because you've got the MacBook Air, the MacBook, the MacBook Pro, but then there's two types of MacBook Pros. And then they've got the Mac Pro, which is, you know, the rubbish bin, but then you've also got the iMac Pro. Which is the all-in-one thing. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. I would love to buy one in a second. My only criticism of what Apple do with their things is that they've stopped producing monitors. Yep. And I do like a dual screen setup. And if they produced a monitor that was exactly, that was looked like an iMac, but all it was was a monitor. Yep. It would be amazing because then you'd have, like, I'm a bit of a, I like symmetry. I can't have, like I know, and I don't know what your setup is, but this is just me being anal. If I'm going to have two, a dual screen setup, the screens have to be exactly the same. Yeah. I've got three, and I'm even, and it's annoying me at the moment because I haven't been able to do it because of the green screen, but I even like try and have the angles of the screens kind of right and exact. Oh, yeah. I sit there at work and make sure that they exactly touch and match perfectly. Yeah, because I want that single space. I'd probably be better off with one of those super wide single screens, to be perfectly honest. But anyway, maybe if I get a, but then the iMac Pro is better spec than the Mac Pro. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah. So what's the That's, graphics card on that new thing? So that the the inbuilt graphics card. So this is the one that they've done that's really cool. Yeah, bear with me. Now let's get into the MacBook Pro. Because they use Radeon, don't they? They don't use um, uh, the other one. Um, yeah, so they use a Radeon um, in the 15-inch Radeon 55X with 4 gig. Um, but the one thing that they've bought out, which will work with them, which is, it's a bit of a beast, but... Um, it is very cool. Uh, here we are. Um, with uh, in conjunction with a company called Black Magic, who weirdly enough, not that anyone really realised this, they're based in Port Melbourne. Yeah, I didn't. You told me the other week. Um, and they've got a external GPU, which is actually um, it's about eleven hundred bucks. Which yes, that is expensive, but the eGPU has. 
Um, uh, Radeon Pro 580 with 8 gig of RAM. It also has two Thunderbolt 3 ports, fourth USB 3s, one HDMI 2 and 85 watt power thing. But the cool thing is it's effectively a dock. Yep. So um, you could use your laptop out and about, come in, plug it into that, which is already plugged into your external screens and what have you, and has HDMI outputs and everything. It It's actually... Um, excuse me for moving around. It's actually... And my focus is gone. Great. Let's just fix my focus up. Hello. Love technology. There we go. There we go. That's better. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a beast. So it's about twelve hundred bucks. It ain't cheap, but for for uh, professionals um, who do a lot of video graphics editing and things like that, um, it's a bit of a cool unit. Yep. So. Um, anyway, enough about Apple. You can have a look at all those products on the Apple website. They've got them there. The other one that came out uh, that was announced in the last week or so was the Surface Go, Microsoft announced. So a uh, little tablet about the size of an iPad, about 10 inches. Yep. Um, the only question I have on it was um, the it's processor kind of, is a mobile processor. Held together by bloody um, elastic bands. You're not a fan of this. No, I just don't think it's got enough oomph. I mean, I think it was pointed out um, by one of the guys on Geeks Interrupted that you, know, you can get a laptop for a couple hundred dollars You know that it's got more grunt than that thing. True. Um, I wouldn't buy one until it's released and I see a review on it. Damn. Um it has. We could get a review unit, and we could do the review ourselves. Well, we could do that. I'd be interested to have a look at that. So it's got a 10-inch pixel sense display, a resolution of 1800 by 1200. The base model, which comes in at uh, JB, is selling it for 599. Has 64 um, gig of storage, which I reckon is a bit low. Yeah. Um, you'd put, there's a second model which is about two hundred dollars more expensive. That's two fifty six. It's about where you want to be. Four gig of RAM, which is on the low side. Um, Bluetooth, Dolby Audio, um, five megapixel front facing camera with ten eighty p Skype HD, which is good. Um, multitasking, USB C, fast charging, and a headphone jack it doesn't. So what's the processor in this thing? Um, Intel Pentium Gold, and it's a dual core. So that's that's the concern. And I think it only comes with Windows 10 S, you know, the, the real kind of cut-down version. I think you can pump it up to home, but that's as high as you can go. Um, uh, see, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So if that is the case, then it's going to not be suitable for a number of people. Yes. Anyone who wants to work on a domain won't work. But then again, you can't really work an iPad on a domain either. Um, yeah, but it depends on what you're using it for. So for me, if I was using a tablet for email and web browsing, then I probably wouldn't care about a Surface Go. Yep. If I wanted to use it as a... 
like a productivity tool um, where you might have, say, for example, you're at a school, for example, and you wanted to use it for, you know, in a classroom or something like that, you might want the domain access on there. Yeah. It depends on, you could look at the use case scenario, of course. Um, Intel Pentium Gold 4415. We dodged a bullet just then. What happened? Windows said, you've got updates pending. Do you want to do them now? <laughs> oh, I think Windows doesn't like being talked about. I think its ears were burning. <laughs> Intel Pentium Gold 4415. What does it say? Tech specs. Processor base frequency, 1.6 gigahertz. Um, My smartwatch has got a better processors than that. There you go. Can you tell I'm not a fan? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the idea of it, but I, as I said, uh, I don't know if I said it on, as we're recording, or I said it to you prior to our recording, is that I would like to see a review unit of it before I hold out yep. um, a decision on that. So, yeah, look, very be interesting to see what it's like. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that is available, as I said, starting price five ninety nine. So, uh, not bad there. Um, or eight thirty nine for see, that's one twenty eight gig storage and eight gig of RAM. So I'd be paying if you were going to buy one, I'd still pay the eight thirty nine. Yeah, because not so much like definitely for the SSD, but definitely for the RAM. Yeah, yeah. Paul Thoreau even said on Windows Weekly that you know, if you're going to go for it, go for the top one. Don't worry about the entry level. And that does, you know, that does start changing the, the, um, uh, the the economics of it, though. Yeah. When you when you um, start looking at that, I'm just trying to see what I've got in this unit. Um, here we go. Okay. So the NUC that I do this on has eight gig of RAM. So anyway. Um, so, yeah, look, Surface Go, um, a tablet device, only 10 inches. I think the size is pretty cool. Um, uh, available for pre-order now. You go out and have a look at that. If you like, we'll uh, be interested to see what the reviews are like when the specs come out. But really, it's a bit of a toy more so than anything else. Yep. Uh, that's about it for our little chat. Yes. I think we've covered it off. Um, we've talked longer than I expected, but that's always good. Yep. Um, we are going to take a very quick break, though, on My Tech Opinion. We'll be back in a moment to talk about our feature topic, which is uh, health and fitness technology. We'll be back in a moment. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. It is now time for our feature topic, and we're talking health and fitness and health and you know, technology, really, not just health and, health and fitness, because certainly on my side of the table, uh, I am not going to be an expert on health and fitness. Um, uh, yeah, that's just, we'll leave it at that. So um, <laughs> I'm very unfit, and there's no question on that. So, um, but the technology that uh, goes with it, um, there's a lot of wearables. Wearables are the fun technology these days. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, uh, they're probably not the first, but they're the ones that popularized fitness technology, uh, Fitbits. Um, and then there are quite a few other different brands available out there. Obviously, your mobile phone has a few things. There's smartwatches. 
uh, some of the earbuds, uh, particularly I think the Samsung ones do uh, some monitoring as well. And then there's dedicated monitors like things for like heart rate and what have you that are out there. Um, before we continue into it, Shane, do you own any fitness slash wearable tech? No. Um, back in a past life when I was somewhat athletic, um, the closest I got was like a dedicated heart monitor thing. Um, then just talk to like a compatible watch. Yep. Um, there was no, that was before like smartphones and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got a, I mean, I've got a smartwatch at the moment, but I don't think it, um, came with the heart monitoring. It was just sort of like, yeah, it has, does everything but that. Um, so, not to answer your question, no, I haven't got anything along those lines because, um, I'm not that athletic and not that fit anymore. <laughs> I've got enough problems I know about. Yeah, true. Um, for me, I was trying to up my walking, and I did because I just wanted to buy more tech. I got a Fitbit, yep. um, and I went through two of those because – no, two, three, because I had one, and it clipped off my belt and left it into a plane somewhere in Vietnam. Um, the second one went through a washing machine. Did it survive? No. <laughs> And then I got a wearable one. Uh, but I stopped wearing that because I moved to an Apple Watch. Okay. So I now have an Apple Watch. Um, Fitbits in terms of the, the, the base stuff, I mean, they've improved since I was wearing them. Um, basically a pedometer. Yeah. You know, and with timings and stuff like that. So um, pretty cool, to be perfectly honest. Yep. Um, I think it, all, it comes down to really is to what type of... If people are going, well, what should I buy... It comes down to what, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Like if you're if you're a gym junkie and you really want to monitor, making sure you max, you know, your heart rates uh, at a certain level, because a lot of people like um, making sure that they are either keeping a high or a mid range heart rate uh, when they exercise, because that, they know that it you know continues the blood flow. Then obviously that they're going to look at some of the more expensive ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the issues, of course, out there is being you know how wet can you get these devices? Yep. Um, I know Apple now have a, which I don't really want to buy because they're expensive, um, but they've got the Apple Watch, which is the ceramic version. Um, and if we just find out how much they are now, because the Apple Watch, the base model Apple Watch, the Sport, is um, uh Water resistant, but you—it's you, more like for things like sweat, or if it's raining, or something, or if you happen to get your hands wet, that's fine. Yeah, so you can't go swimming with it. Well, the base model, no. Even though it's called the sport. Um. Yes. And swimming is a sport. For, it's designed for running and and things like that. Okay. Um. I even have just any chance I get to give Apple a hard time, I just take advantage of it. I know you do. That's yeah. all right. But even, what do they even have these days? Um, case material. Ceramic. No, they do. Yeah, so you can get a ceramic uh, um, Apple Watch, which comes in black or white. They cost 1800 bucks. But you can go swimming with those. Yeah. Oh, and that's the Series 3 GPS and cellular model. 
So uh, okay. that's, you know, that's top of the line. Yep. Um, uh, so, yeah, so you can go swimming in those. In, in fact, you can listen to Apple Music um, whilst you're out and about and doing all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, there's plenty of options uh, there for what you want to do. Yep. So, um, so they, they, they vary. Um, Fitbit have... Um, what a Fitbit have these days. So they've got watches. So they've got the Versa and the Iconic, the Ionic. Yep. Uh, but then they've got a heap of track checkers like the Charge 2, the Alta, the Flex, the Ace, which is a kid's one. And there's a Zip, which is a clip-on one, which is the one that I used to have. And they've even got other things like you know, smart scales and wireless headphones and things like that. So you can get into the, the thing. But it's also not just about the tech. It's also the device and, and the... Um, what you, you know, like usually, you know, there's apps on your device that tracks your fitness and, yep. and things like that. Um, interestingly, Apple have opened up their platform for uh, their health platform that third-party devices can use it. Fitbit have decided not to go down that. They're going to keep people locked in their ecosystem, which is fine. Um, but, they're, you know... It just comes down to what devices you prefer and what, you know, whether you want to go for fashion, you want to go purely for form um, and things like that. Because there's even, you know, the other company that's produced a lot of things is Garmin. Yeah. And they've got, you know, um, VivoFit Junior, which is a kid's tracker. They've got the Forerunner, which is a GPS running watch. Now, obviously, Garmin are um, absolutely, their tech is in GPS. Yep. So their devices are pretty well all going to have GPS in them, but you know they've got one called the AJ20, which is a bike-mounted one. Oh, right. It's not actually a wearable; it's for your bike. Yep. So you know there's there's a cool um, a lot of uh, options out there, and it, and I think it comes down to what platform you're on, because mm-hmm. really, if you're going to have an Apple Watch, you're going to have an iPhone. Yep. There's no question about that. Yep. Um, and and you anything that's the Android Wear based, yep, which is what I think you would have. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, you would obviously want to have an Android device to support that. Yeah, I think because um, Apple they call theirs Health Kit, and I think Android is it's either Android Fit or I think it's Android Fit. I think that's what they call it. Yep. <clears throat> but the good thing about things like Garmin and the Fitbits is that it doesn't matter what platform you're on. You're fine. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about your device. So um, all I, like I said, all I, I've got the smartwatch which does nothing in the way of fitness. Yep. Um, all I have on my phone is the Android Fit and the phone itself. So really all I keep track of is um, the steps that I do. Um, this is back when I was coming in training for the fun run that I did last year. So I was keeping track of the steps. Then also keeps track of um, yeah the amount of calories you burn and all that kind of stuff. And and all those things are kind of really algorithms because to get a proper accurate um, measure of the calories you burn, what you're supposed to be doing is kind of you know, having a, like a little thing in your mouth where it's measuring the oxygen going in and the carbon dioxide going out, and that's kind of how they do an accurate calculation of um, calories. Um, and and that's and that's an interesting thing we should probably we'll probably get to later on is the accuracy of, of these things um you know which one's more accurate and all that kind of thing um 
But I know that um, the the other wearables that have got, and we've touched on it before, is the the earbuds. I think the new earbuds that are coming out. I don't know if the Apple ones do it, but they you can measure your heart rate and all that kind of stuff in your in your ear because that's one of the places in your body that you that has a pulse. Um, the other thing I think that they can't speak to the Apple Watch, but I know some of the high end watches on the Android side. I think they're even now measuring things like glucose levels in your blood and all that kind of stuff because um, they don't have to do like a like don't have to penetrate the the skin to kind of do it. Yep, I'm not exactly sure how the tech works. I think I think it's more kind of um, I think they just kind of use some sort of light spectrometer kind of thing. Um, yeah, so the, the, I know that they're definitely for the the pulse. Um, they're using light and, and reflection through the skin for those. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, glu- the glucose monitoring, I don't know a lot about that. Um, I know that, uh, but I don't think the Apple Watch does do that. Yeah. The what they I know that Apple have been trying to look at is looking at um, monitoring heart rhythms to determine if there's potential concerns. Yeah. Um, and they're looking at a ways to use the device to, to test blood pressure. Oh, okay. Um, but I, there's nothing available on the market at the moment. I think the thing that we would say is that before we continue the, the conversation is that regardless of what the tech is capable of, yeah. even the manufacturers would say you should not rely on the tech for medical diagnoses. No, shouldn't rely on Google either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it might, might highlight an issue, but the first thing you would then do is go and see your doctor. Yeah. There's actually been um, examples of, and I think most, if not all of them, have been Apple Watches where, yeah, it's kind of picked up that the heart rate's been higher than normal and, yeah, the person's gone to the doctor and, yeah, sure enough, they've had something, some heart issue. Absolutely. So, you know, that, that's the thing that's worthwhile. In terms of what you can do with it, the, the what are the devices can do? Obviously, Apple Watch, if you've got the cellular model, has its own um, SIM card in it. And, of course, the um, the telecommunications companies are getting their grain of salt out of it by charging you $5 a month to link it in. Yep. Um, and they're all exactly the same on you. But the advantage is, is that if you go out for a run um, and what have you, you can leave your phone at home. Um, you can connect your AirPods directly into, if you're using an Apple device, directly into your uh, watch. Yep. Use Apple Music whilst you're out and about. Take phone calls, do all that sort of stuff. So there's some certainly some, um, from the technology side of things, where they've developed, you know, even in three years is quite amazing. Yeah. So um, uh, the one thing that, the, from a technology perspective, the Samsung uh, products or the Android Wear products have that at this call is around face. Yeah. Which is cool. I like it. Um, yeah, and you're right about the Samsung um, um, uh, Gear Ionics. Ionics. No, Iconics. Icon X. I was going to say Samsung Gear, but I thought the Gear was their virtual reality thing, unless they use the same name for both. Um, uh, I think they do all sorts of things. So, yeah, and it has, um, it links in and it has, you know, like, you can put the goals that you want to achieve through the app. Um, and, 
it will actually have a, a coach for you. So as you're listening, it will tell you certain things and what have you. So yeah. I think even the Fitbit one does it where it has, um, if you're listening to the Fitbit app and, it, and something happens, it will give you messages of praise when you get to certain goals for the day and stuff yeah. like that. So cool. The other thing that um, just came to mind that, I know definitely Apple does because they made a, you know, a point of actually mentioning it when it came out a couple of years ago. And I'm pretty confident Android does it as well. Is they've actually also got because um, yeah they've got different sports. Yeah, you know, they've got running and swimming and all that kind of stuff. But they've also got um, wheelchair racing as well because obviously you know someone in a wheelchair they're going to be using their arms to push. So it smart enough to kind of keep track of that versus you know versus someone's steps yeah and i know that i know that you're right i think the initial release of some of their fitness apps didn't have those accessibility functions in there and as they've developed them they're, they're continuing to add them in the same goes with the uh, you know this is not fitness tech but um things like the the i can't remember the name of it the live ears or something like that where you can actually utilise the microphone in your phone to someone with hearing the Bluetooth hearing aids. Oh yeah, and to amplify voice and things like that, which is pretty cool. Mm. Pretty cool. So yeah, continue to do that. I think the thing to me is that it's it's you've got to, uh, and it sort of goes back. You've got to look at what's your use case. So what are you actually doing? Um, how serious are you about tracking your fitness? And what suits your current infrastructure yeah so if you're a hardcore biker the garmin one's probably a better one for you because it's specifically around biking and it attaches to your bike and manages certain things off your bike yep whereas you know if you're going running i mean the the apple watch and, and the samsung gear are focused around doing that running gym sort of exercise as opposed to anything else yeah but, but you are right chain other than the heart rate and maybe some of them with the glucose and what have you it's all all of the other measurements of calories burned and things like that is based around activity times what information you put into it. Yeah, you've got to put you put your weight into it, you put this into it, and what have you, and it manages it all that way. Yep. And um, for example, Fitbit to combine them have scales. Yeah. And uh, you can jump on the scales, and it will, you know, chuck that information into the app as well. And, you know, keeps a track of weight loss if that's what you're aiming for. Um, and it combined with your exercise and things like that. So that's pretty cool. So the other thing, I think it's across the board with all these companies, is the information is stored in the cloud. So like if you're in the Fitbit ecosystem, you're in their cloud, Apple, you're in their cloud, so on and so forth. Have Do we know whether any of these companies have had any breaches in relation to data um, and stuff? I don't... Not that it comes off the top of my head. I'm sure one of our listeners might want to correct um, correct us, yep. um, but I don't believe there has. But, you know, it also comes down to what information you put in there and um, and that sort of thing um, to, to determine whether it's, um, you know, if it's a concern for you, if it's relatively anonymized. I haven't even said that word, no. word right. Anonymized, um, anonymized data. Then you're probably not so concerned. Like, yeah. is it just linked to an email address? I think where the concern comes down is is that are we going to get to a point in the future where private health companies and things like that are actually going to ask for 
yeah. access to this information um, in terms of determining how well you're going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're all, you know, in Australia, we've got the My Health Record um, situation happening at the moment where they're going through a knocked out period and, um, uh, you know, whether, uh, but at the same time, the health record uh, option, Singapore had a breach and 1.5 million people's worth of data was uh, potentially compromised. So, um, yeah, very interesting. But um, look, the other thing to look at as well is, and there's, a, I'm just going through at the moment uh, on the, the iPhone, which you can't see a thing, but anyway, because it's all very bright and oversaturated. But just, you know, type in fitness and you can see a heap of fitness apps out there um, that can also assist you in, you know, maintaining and managing goals and things like that. So there's a heap of stuff that's available. The other thing that I used to do when I was doing the training again for the the fun run thing is, um, I can't think of the name of it. I don't remember on my phone. It was a a mapping thing, so it actually kept track of, um, you know, where I kind of pushed Yep. Um, and it can overlay it on the on the like proper street maps and stuff. So that was handy. And you can kind of keep track of um, you know how far you went, how long it took you, and again that also kind of kept track of um, best guess, I guess, um, how many calories you burnt, that sort of thing. The only thing that you got to watch out for with those mapping ones, especially if you're in the military, if you're doing bog laps around what's supposed to be a secret base. And um and yeah and obviously <laughs> obviously that's going to get out. That happened a couple yeah. of months ago, wasn't it? I, and I think you, you you have the choice of not sharing your, your runs and stuff, though, aren't you? Don't you? Yeah. But yeah, the military would probably have a lot of um, rules about what they what you can and can't do with those as well. They do now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The other the other thing in terms of this is a different. Um, uh, angle on fitness technology because we've looked at wearables. The other thing that's available, and, and I've seen, used to see ads for it when I was watching my American streaming services. There's a streaming service that's available. It's uh, $19.95 US a month, but it's called Daily Burn. And it's the fitness Netflix. Oh, really? <laughs> so it is um, an app that you can create your own profile and can tell you what sort of programs to do. So, you know, there's a, there's a program called Total Cardio, Infernal HR, DB Cardio, or that is Cardio Sculpt, Yoga. Um, they got Bob Harper from the, you know, the biggest loser in America, and he was on the Australian one in the first year or so. Um, an episode called Blackfire. So they're a 15-minute workout. So there's a heap of different programs on there for in terms of uh, workout programs that you can view along and do to your television at the same time. So uh, there's another option in terms of the fitness tech world that's going on. Yeah. Um, in terms of some of the other innovations that are coming out, um, there was CES earlier this year. There was a pro, there's a few things that came out. There was one called the uh, Peloton Tread. Um and it said uh, Peloton uh, Tread ran, basically ran the fitness category at CES in 2018. Uh, they have indoor cycling bikes, bikes that allows riders to stream high-energy classes. So you have a screen attached to your exercise bike and you can 
have like spin classes or scenic rides and all that sort of thing streamed to the screen on it. Um, uh, And they now have a product which is a treadmill. And so basically the photo, we'll put the link in the show notes to, to the stuff that came out of CES. But it's basically a treadmill that looks like it's got an iMac stuck to the end of it. <laughs> um, uh, but it has, you know, it has the classes and streaming and all that sort of stuff on there. Um, there's a company called Spire who have a swim tracker that you can put into your bathers. It's like a little pouch in the back of your bathers yep. uh, when you go swimming, like so, sort of like what the footy players wear. Um, there's another one that's called the Sunto three fitness wearable. Um, and the, what it does is it looks into your exercise history and things like that. And it creates a seven day workout schedule for you. Um, and, uh, managing things like heart rate zones and, and sleep tracking and what have you. So a few of them are doing that now. Obviously we talked about Android where doing that and a lot of the Garmin things can do that too. So it's not so much about even, you know, what we're seeing is it's going beyond just tracking what you're doing. It's actually now starting to look at ways to create programs for you to maintain or improve what you're actually doing as well. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's coming out, there's a few of them around, but this one is a product called from Soul Electronics, uh, and it's run free pro bio headphones. So they're sweat proof. So, you know, you, you can have head hands, um, headphones that, uh, Bluetooth headphones that will, um, uh, not worry about if you sweat profusely and dribble your, uh, bodily fluid right into the cavity and fry them. So yeah. That's pretty cool. And then there's a couple of other ones. Under Armour have got one that's in their shoes. Um, and a few other ones that um, that are around. That um, The shoe-based ones, I think, you know, you're limited to those shoes. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, I know Nike used to have a little, a little hockey puck that you could attach to your um, shoe that connected into an iPod. Yep. And you could uh, track all of your fitness and stuff on those. Um, but, of course, that developed over time. And you can even use your... The other thing is, you can use your phone. Yeah. Um, your phone can have a have a, a pedometer in it. You can chuck that in your pocket, go for a walk. You know, a lot of people have a fitness tracker to a level. It doesn't have the full capability. But in terms of location, distance, and things like that, you can do that in your phone. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, that's essentially all I kind of did. And the other one was, um, there's one here I'm looking at called Black Box VR. The virtual reality gym was the buzziest fitness innovations at CES, and it's just as cool as it sounds. Um, it'll be available at a, at a, you have to go to a gym to use it, but it'll be available uh, in a company coming into the US called Black Box. And it's a 30-minute total body workout in a virtual reality set- setting, turning resistance workout to competition-based video game. So there you go. So that's a they, – they, we talked about VR a couple of uh, episodes ago, um, and this is adding that into a fitness world so you can actually um, uh, 
do competitions and stuff in a VR environment in a gym, which would make those goggles really sweaty. <laughs> it would do, yeah. Really sweaty. You'd yeah. want to clean those things down. Yeah, and they'd want to be a good fit. So, yes. So, look, at the other. as we said, the other thing is look at what your uses are. If you're just going running, then a lot of them will work. If you're going swimming and you want to use a fitness tracker, well, then you've got to be selective with what you choose. Um, and the same goes with a few other things as well. Yep. So the other thing that we haven't touched on um, yeah, and is... Yeah, I know where you're heading to. There? Yep. Okay. The other thing that we haven't touched on, because there's two places I could go, is we focused on we've focused so far on the exercise side of things. Yep. There's also the the other thing that's as important is how much sleep you get and the quality of your sleep and yep. all that kind of thing. Did, was that where I was going? No. <laughs> I think the, the, the other tangent that you're thinking of as well. But, uh, yeah, in terms of sleep tracking, good move. Um, the I'd done some sleep tracking with when I had the Fitbit and didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I don't sleep track using my Apple Watch yep. because I put it on a charger. Okay. So that actually has the functionality, does it? I think it has some level of sleep tracking where you can get an app that it will work with. Yeah. But I don't bother because I put it on a charge when I go to bed. Um, but, yeah, it comes down to your own personal thing. I know a lot of the the, the Apple Watch, because I've got a seri- the original Apple Watch, um, which I'm probably going to have to upgrade this year because the software won't work on it. Yay. Exciting. <laughs> um, but the... So, yeah, so the... The, um, oh, come on, Philip, talk. Um, yeah, but you can do some sleep tracking on that, but the, the batteries are not great, so you've got to charge it at some point. Yeah. So unless you're doing it when you're at your desk at work or something like that during the day, I don't bother. I know um, from my radio show, Daniel Olivares does sleep tracking with his Apple Watch. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. So that's why I know it can be done. Yep. You, if you really want to focus on your sleep tracking, you probably look at better looking at other devices as well. The yep. Fitbits are probably really good for that because the battery life on the Fitbits are pretty good. Yeah, and then you get other ones that, um, yeah, there's things you can put under your pillow, there's things you can put in your, under your mattress to kind of keep track of, you know, how restless you are in bed and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, then to take that even further, there's um, meditation apps and meditation kind of tracking and all that kind of stuff because, yeah, that's meant to be beneficial for you as well. Not that I've kind of done any of that sort of thing at all um so yeah it's just not it's not just the the exercise it's the sleep it's your diet it's yeah meditating it's it's kind of the whole thing and to circle back to where i think phil thought i was going all things all these things need to be accurate and um yeah there's no point sort of uh, some are better than others um, I don't know whether um, there's anything specific in the show notes. Did we end up finding anything in the notes to sort of say who, which ones are better than others? Yeah, there's a link I found um, from a website called Nudge Coach, and it has an infographic saying, how accurate are wearable fitness traffic tra- uh, trackers? Cool. And it says, heart rate accuracy. The gold standard hospitals use an electrocardiogram to measure electrical activity in the heart. How fitness trackers do it. Wristbands use optical heart rate monitors to send green LED light through the skin. Your pulse is estimated based on how much light bounces back. 
How accurate are fitness trackers? Pretty accurate, but not as accurate as chest straps. According to one study, the Apple Watch was the closest to medical heart rate technology. So it says, uh, with fit, uh, wearable fitness tra- tracker, Apple Watch, and this is from about 18 months ago, uh, Apple Watch was 91%. The Mio Fuse was at 91%. The Fitbit Charge HR was at 84%. Wow. The Basis Peak was at 83%. And a Polis H7 chest strap was 99%. That's what I used to use. Yep. Uh, then it says calorie burning accuracy, which you touched on before, Shane, and you did a very good um, explanation of that. So the gold standards, researchers estimate ca- a caloric burn through ego, ergo spirometry. A mask captures exhaled air and the air's composition indicates burned calories. How fitness trackers do it. Fitness trackers take your um, basal or basal um, metabolic rate, BMR, then add an estimated number of calories burned on based on activity and how accurate are fitness trackers and absolutely not very accurate. A 2013 study found that fitness trackers are not very accurate at estimating caloric burn. Uh, accuracy varied widely depending on the service. So the thing was, was that unless you're going to walk around with an oxygen mask on that's going to collect and manage your oxygen, any fitness track is not going to be accurate. Yep. They're going to give you an idea, but they're not going to be accurate. Um, most accurate for walking, it says jawbone up, and most accurate for running, Adidas My Coach. So um, this was saying jawbone up had 87% accuracy for treadmill walking, uh, treadmill running 69%, elliptical 40%, agility work at 57%. The Nike Fuel Band, which I don't, think that they even i'm not sure if they produce anymore and you can get a nike apple watch 49 percent for treadmill walking 72 percent for treadmill running eight percent for elliptical and 47 percent for agility workout the adidas my coach was 55 percent for treadmill walking 81 uh, for running um, nothing for elliptical agility 65 percent and finally um body media uh, Fitcore, um, 68, 73, 47, 56. I haven't even heard of that product. It says, step counting. Um, the gold standards. Researchers count steps one by one. <laughs> gold standard. How fitness trackers do it. An accelerometer and a gyroscope track how you move. The data is used to estimate steps. Um, how accurate are fitness trackers? Very accurate. 25, 2015 study discovered that while most... Fitness trackers are accurate, particularly the Misfit Shine. So that was in 2015. Fitness tracker step counting accuracy, Apple Watch 99.5. Good. The Misfit Shine 99.7. Uh, Samsung Gear 94%. Qualcomm TOQ 97. And Samsung Gear 2 weirdly dropped to 79.8. Um, and the last one, sleep tracking. The gold standards. Scientists measure sleep in a lab using uh, polysomnography, somnography, which measures body functions like brain activity and eye movements, which I have had sleep studies done, and they stick a lot of glue and electrodes on you. Oh, really? Yeah, it's bizarre. You wouldn't want to be doing that every night. Uh, how fitness trackers do it? Fitness trackers use accelerometers to detect whether you're moving or at rest. Some claim to detect light sleep and deep sleep. 
how accurate sleep tracking used to used to be poor, but it's improved. 2017 study on the Fitbit Charge, HR, found that it is accurate enough to be used for medical research. However, scientists say that fitness trackers can't actually detect your sleep stage. Sleep depth is determined by brain activity and not body movement. So there you go. Because, of course, when you've got your sleep, you've got, um, you've got light sleep and then you've got REM. Um, and that's when you're really going, that, that's, that's your regenerative sleep. Yeah, because I've I've well I probably still technically do have it, but I've got sleep apnea. I've had sleep apnea, so I've had CPAP masks and things like that overnight, um, and I've had sleep studies done for that, and they detect oxygen levels that you're exhaling. Um, once again, the REM uh, movement, brain activity, things like that, and that's how they really determine how effective that sort of thing is. Yep, um, because what you you need to have clear oxygen flow into the brain. But in a lot of cases of people with sleep apnea, and it's usually determined by how loudly, I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that. It's not determined. A, a symptom of sleep apnea is loud snoring. And what it is, is that the throat, uh, the air passages tend to relax and close over when you're in a deep sleep state, which means that they vibrate and create the snoring noise. Oh, okay. So the problem is, is that your body then starts to receive a lack of oxygen mm-hmm. and the body will jump out of its um, uh, deep sleep state to keep the air passages open. So it's not something you can die from. It's just something you don't... Oh, no, no, no. You can, if you're really bad, you can die. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, when I first had it done, I'm uh, very different now because I'd lost a, a bit of weight at the time, but they said that my oxygen levels were conducive with death. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but they've said that my levels aren't anywhere near what they used to be 15 years ago, so things have changed. Yep. But um, basically, um, yeah, so if your body didn't come out of that deep sleep or something happened, you'd die. Because oh, okay. you get enough oxygen through. So the whole point is is that what CPAPs do is that they create an oxygen airflow so that it will keep the airways open whilst you sleep and therefore it allows you to go into states of deep sleep longer. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there you go. There's a bit of a side note. Educational side of things for you. Uh, what's the accurate? Uh, says what's the verdict? Modern fitness trackers may not be perfectly accurate, but they're close enough for uh, for most people who want to monitor their health. Yep. There you go. So I think that you know um, nothing's going to be perfect, but uh, if you're doing it from a fitness perspective, I think that they're perfectly fine. If you're doing it from a you know, am I having a heart attack perspective? Well, then no, that's you shouldn't be basing your Long-term health decisions based on a fitness tracker. No. Anything else you want to add to that before we take a break, Shane? No, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to cover. We've covered the accuracy of the equipment. We've um, done both the exercising and as well as the sleep. Um, uh, kind of mentioned diet, but, I mean, diet's a separate thing altogether and it's not really a tech-related thing because, you know, there's nothing tech that tracks what you eat um, that I'm aware of. Oh, well... Well, it's, no, it's without, more of a manual human, thing. Without human input. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a manual thing. True. Uh, so, no, I think no, I think we're done as far as the topic Excellent. goes. 
Um, uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on um, what you use uh, for tech um, in terms of your fitness tracking and things like that. Uh, I know my Run Keeper, for those who like to run, is an app that I've seen used quite a bit. But send us an email, mytechopinion at prosumerit.com, which is at the bottom of the screen if you are watching on our video feed. Um, if you are purely listening, mytechopinion at prosumerit.com. Done. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back to wrap up the show here on My Tech Opinion. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. It is time to wrap up the program and uh, set off into the sunset before we uh, we get to go and have our break and Shane goes out to that lovely sunny weather that's directly behind him on the screen screen. So uh, it's sure not like that in real life. It's peeing down with rain at the moment. There you go. Um, we have talked about uh, tech, uh, health, and fitness in terms of a technology perspective, and some of the wearables and what have you that's out there at the moment. Um, we'd love to hear your opinion. Uh, as we said before the break, send us an email: mytechopinion at prosumeit.com, and because uh, we'd love to get your feedback uh, on our shows. And reviews and thumbs up, thumb downs, you know, all that kind of stuff. Let Absolutely. Subscribe. So, yeah. So, um, leave a review on the iTunes podcast, the Apple podcast store these days, and also the Google Podcasts app, um, because your reviews help us get noticed. Yep. Hopefully, they're good ones. Don't leave one if that's, they're not good. <laughs> Please. We give ourselves our own bad reviews, so that's okay. We yeah. just don't tell you about them. Um <laughs> Yeah, we, we, don't, want we no. don't want to do that. Mm. Um, but we are finishing up the show. Visit the website, prosumerit.com forward slash MTO. Yep. Um, and, of course, uh, you can if you're listening on the podcast, you can see our the videos of these episodes on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can hear the audio of these on the podcast. It's the same thing, though. Yeah. So it's all good. But make sure you subscribe. We love our subscribers, and thank you very much for doing so. Um, next episode, episode 19, we are going to do IP telephony. Yes, we are. And some of the options available, whether it be having, um, you know, uh, a VoIP phone, Skype, whatever you choose. But the thing is, if you're in Australia and you're going onto the NBN, you think, well, I'm never going to go on IP telephony. If, uh, if you go onto the NBN and you do, and you keep a home phone line, guess what? You're on VoIP. Yes. So we'll talk about all that too. Um, so if you've got any thoughts as well about what we should talk about in our IP telephony episode, send us uh, an email or some suggestions on what our future topics should be in the show in general. Yep, absolutely. We're always looking for ideas. So uh, there you go, mytechopinion at prosumerit.com. I think that's it. We're done. I think we're done. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Shane, for joining the program, as you always do and pushing all the buttons and getting all the recordings happening on your side of things. Just checking, making sure it's still going. Yep. <laughs> and uh, all good. And, uh, of course, on my side of the things, I'm looking clearer and better than ever because I now have fast broadband. Yes, we didn't get that message saying, you know, your NBN connection's shaky. I know. We didn't We didn't have any of that. Your connection is unstable or anything like that this week. So I'm very happy with that indeed. Yep. So um, that's it. We'll be back for another episode, episode 19 of My Tech Opinion very soon. 
So make sure you stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll see you all then. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.